Hello and welcome to the Human and Machine podcast. Um, my name is Yaku. And my name is Lenny. We're with you for another another episode this week. Last week was, was a cracker. It was really, really great to get a second session with Arne Nipper. He's, of course, the co-inventor of MQTT. Um, if you're not sure um, who Arlen is and, and the history behind MQTT, definitely a, a podcast you don't want to miss. Yeah, we, we spoke to Arlen about six months ago before we did the second podcast, and it feels like we're probably going to have a little bit of a cadence with him almost. Definitely. It's um, worthwhile as well. Definitely worthwhile. Um, I love the, the notion about the, the unified namespace, building, building this, the model on the edge and not just moving the problem from the OT layer into the IT layer. Uh, by just moving data into the cloud. Uh, so I really enjoyed that, that podcast. It's a great listen, uh, you guys. So if you miss it, please check it out. Um, it's episode 20 of our podcast series. Definitely. It was the second episode of this year. And what I love about Arlen is just his passion. I mean, he's been in the industry for ages, more, more, more so than some of our junior engineers have been alive. Um, and he's still so passionate about the drive for MQTT and, and Sparkplug B and how it's becoming the... OT, um, the, the OT data transmitter, if I can call it that of choice. So yeah, it's and, and always he, nice. To he was to extremely him. humble. I mean, the adoption rate that MQTT is seeing, not just um, in our stack, but from major players in the markets. And he's so mm -hmm. humble about the adoption and, and the technology that he pretty much started. So that's always mm -hmm. great to see. Yeah, so that was last week's podcast. Right, this week we're back onto the trend series <clears throat> and specifically the trend I suppose it is definitely a trend. Edge um, is not a new trend. It's, it's also not a buzzword anymore. It's certainly a reality and it has been for a couple of years. But the trend we want to chat to um, with and about today is all about edge computing and more specifically high availability on edge computing. Um, and we've pulled in a couple of, or a, ex, an expert for this. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely not an expert. As a <laughs> no, vendor. no idea. Um, the, the closest we get to these things is normally on a tender document. There's a question about you know, how many nines of availability must your solution <laughs> allow? And that's when we get people like Albertus um, onto the call and say, hey, we need a solution here. It's, it's got all the nines from the, from the availability perspective. But I, I'm sure Albertus will, will give us what it means and how it's get calculated as well. So on the call today, we've got Albertus Weber. He is the consulting system engineer for Africa and Middle East at Stratus Technologies. Albertus, welcome. Thank you very much. Good morning, guys. Cool, awesome. Albertus, maybe just before we get going, um, I know you also have a, quite a, a long history in this automation field. Uh, maybe just give us a little bit on your backgrounds um, and when did you actually join Stratus? Yeah, thanks, Lenny. Yeah, I've, uh, I've been with Stratus now for two years. Uh, prior to uh, joining Stratus, uh, uh, I uh, used to work for um, an automation company uh, for 10 years. And prior to that, for end user as a systems engineer uh, for uh, close to 16, 17 years. So I've been in the automation sort of environment, uh, well, over 20, 20, 25 years. So um, got a lot of experience in, uh, in that field. Uh, Pretty much. So the OT space is nothing new to you. <laughs> no, 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 definitely. And uh, I think that's sort of a, a plus point for me joining Stratus because I bring all the automation experience into the Stratus technology uh, and into the high availability technology because these days I think it's, uh, it's very prevalent that uh, it, it gets more and more to the fore forefront uh, that you need edge computing and high availability uh, in the industrial automation space. 100%. And it's something 
something that's normally getting pushed down a little bit from the IT guys as well, um, because you know high availability is something that that was quite prevalent, obviously in the IT environment. It's something a little bit new to us in OT. Um, we normally solve that with redundant systems and redundant solutions mm. on a on a software level, but it is something new, a little bit more that we now focusing a little bit more on the hardware, and that's that's why we're talking to you. Um, Albert, maybe before we just start, there's obviously a lot of acronyms and a lot of terminology in this space. Um, and as I mentioned, if we, if we do tender responses, there's normally some sort of a high availability number that they want you to respond with, right? And Is that a percentage? Typically? It's a percentage. Yeah. Uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's a percentage of how, how long for the year is your system actually available for to, to do it or to perform its function. Um, but some of the terms I think we use we use wrongly because we I think we talk about high availability, fault tolerance, and disaster recovery almost interchangeable, but they're actually three completely different things. No, no, absolutely. Um, uh, I think uh, there's a, a, a lot of misunderstanding with regards to the, the three different sort of scenarios that you have. Um, and uh, assumptions are made and then systems are bought on those those sort of uh, misinterpretation of the, the availability scenario or the availability level level um, and and there's there's really not that difficult and not that many sort of options um, first of all you have your normal disaster recovery uh, which is typically you have a, a, a machine or a system that you would uh, back up uh, as a as a as a normal way of, of having backups in case something happens and you have to recover from the backups. Um, there's also an option that's sort of misinterpreted in a way with regards to this uh, disaster recovery where you actually have an offsite disaster recovery system. So it's almost like having a duplicate uh, system running somewhere else. So mm -hmm. if your online system or your, your local system is, uh, is not available, uh, for some reason it fails or power failure or for some reason, it will actually switch over to a disaster recovery, which is most probably hosted in a data center. Uh, mm -hmm. We have customers that actually have a local system that, that it, they are running. And then if something happens to that local system, it switches automatically over to a disaster recovery site uh, scenario where you would have a different server. Most, most probably, a, well, not most probably, it will be exact, exactly the same system that you have on site, but just off site again. So it's a duplicate system. But just running offsite. Um, that's almost uh, similar to high availability uh, and uh, fault tolerancy, but fault tolerancy and high availability is more towards the actual, either the local system or the disaster recovery offsite system. Um, the two big ones are that sort of gets misinterpreted a lot is uh, the acronym HA, which stands for high availability, and then FT, which stands for fault tolerant. Uh, high availability is the scenario where you would have two to three hosts, uh, maybe in a cluster. And if one of those hosts fails, you will have a restart scenario on a second host or a third host. Um, now, during that restart, we call it a, like a blackout uh, type of scenario where by the virtual machine or the actual operating system and the applications needs to restart on a second or a third host. Now, those restarts, depending on the applications, can really take anything from two, three, four, five minutes. Some systems even take like 15 to 20 minutes to actually restart and get to a point 
where it's now operational and it can now continue uh, doing its thing. Um, now, during that restart period, uh, you most probably will have the, uh, data loss. Um, if in the industrial automation space, you will not have visualization. Your operating stations will freeze up um, or the trees will, it will freeze with the last set value mm -hmm. and you cannot control the plant until your, your application has been restarted on the second or third host. That's not the case, however, with fault tolerant. Fault tolerant is almost like having two server systems running at the same time, doing the same thing uh, with this application. So if one of the, the hosts fails, then it will just continue running on the second host and you will not have a restart period or a blackout time, as we like to call it, uh, to be able to start on the second host. And I think that is where we at Stratus are very uh, good in what we do in our products. Um, and that is, uh, we are the availability company and that's, we do deal in fault tolerance scenarios and not so much in high availability scenarios. But mm. customers and end users needs to understand the difference between HA and fault tolerant. If high availability is, uh, is more than enough uh, that you require, that you can experience that downtime for a period of time, uh, then it's okay, but um, especially for instance, in an example in the financial space where we have banks, I mean, transactions are being done on a, on a second, millisecond basis. And you cannot experience that failover scenario where everything needs to restart on a second host. And that, that is very important to have a full tolerance system uh, in that, that sense. Now, and that's where your uh, scenario comes in with the percentage and the nine, nine of availability. Uh, availability is measured in nines, right? So uh, anything from 99.9 .9 or right up to 99.9999% uh, availability. Um, so there's all calculation that's been done uh, of how, how, many, how long is the system available and how, how long downtime you can experience on a system. Now, typically, if you look at a standard laptop or a standard desktop machine, you pretty much have about 99.9% .9 of availability. So you can experience uh, downtime on it. You don't really care if, if your machine has, has to restart for some reason. Uh, if you're good in calculations, that works out to about 526 minutes of downtime that you can uh, experience or might be able to experience. And that's, and that's on the hardware of that desktop box. That's, on the, that's, that's definitely on yeah. the hardware. That system, yes. Okay. Yes. I wanted to ask about. Uh, sorry, Albert. I wanted to ask about the hardware because I mean, you know, now we we've obviously known Stratus for a number of years, and thinking back to the old days of the you know the first FT server that we experienced, it was very much focused on the hardware element um, and always on for hardware. And I think some of that, uh, I'm not sure what to term it. Let's call it software-defined availability. Um, a lot has changed since the original requirement for a hardware redundancy or failover and high availability. Um, and to where we are today, to your point about just to understand how do we get maximum availability for a virtualized environment? Um, how do we prevent application downtime in a virtualized environment? Um, so it, it's very exciting to see how those progress. And I think Stratus, definitely from our point of view, has been leading um, that drive and that innovation around how that has evolved. And now today to the edge, where we are on the edge, where we need that same availability and that same lossless environment, but on the edge. So that's, that's quite exciting to see. And it's, it's must have been quite a journey for you and for, for Stratus to, to 
not only keep up with that, but also stay ahead? Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I mean, we have a really unique product. Uh, that's, uh, I mean, we are, I think uh, last year we reached our 40 year uh, um, milestone of being uh, applying or uh, making systems, high availability systems or fault tolerant systems available. We started right off at a system called VAS. VAS stands actually for virtual operating system. Uh, we moved into a virtual environment with uh, the systems. Um, and then we moved into the FT service space. Uh, and now our latest product uh, that's been around for, for the past three years is our ZTC. Um, again, a little acronym, ZTC stands for zero touch computing. We're not 100% there, but we're almost there. And I'll, we can explain, I'll explain a little bit later on, on the, what the ZTC can actually do for you and, and how quickly it is to set up. Because we're dealing with, an, uh, especially in the industrial automation space, you might not have the IT skills at the engineering level or at the, in the plant. So you need to keep it as simple as possible. Uh, and that's, I think, besides the fact that we supply a fault-tolerant uh, system for both uh, high-end, uh, if you put it in a control room or a server room, as well as on the, on the edge. Um, we try and make it as simple as possible in both scenarios to be able to maintain, operate, and, and uh, do all the things, uh, even change parts uh, on it uh, is really a simple um, uh, sort of option that we uh, yeah. provide with it. Cool. I want to get into the edge stuff because, I mean, that's that's the exciting stuff that we're seeing at the moment is this, this zero touch on the edge. I, I, I just want to ask quickly around the industries before I forget. You mentioned uh, the financial industry. Um, looking at your sort of the industries that you serve at the moment, um, how what does that split percentage look like around the investment in, in, in these kind of technologies? Obviously, it's very high in the finance world. Um, and then you mentioned industrial and OT. What are sort of some of the insights into those industries and have you seen a change and have you seen a, a catch-up potentially? What, what does that look like today? Well, Mark, it, it, it's a good question. And, and it's really the, the whole sort of market has shifted. Um, we still have six uh, customers within the financial space and uh, I think we support Fortune 500 companies and uh, stock exchanges and all those with our fault-tolerant FT service scenarios. But uh, nowadays, well, actually for the past three years, three to four or five years, um, the industrial automation space is our fastest growing market uh, with regards to supplying uh, or supply and demand uh, from that point. I think they really uh, sort of understand now the concept of needing the high availability uh, or always on solution uh, at the edge and always on solution at the plant level. Um, I mean, you spend a lot of money on licensing costs and license, software license that has to run on a system. Uh, and you cannot put a single machine in there to protect them. You want to protect your software. You're spending, First of you're spending, money, you're spending money for increased efficiency, zero downtime, zero loss uh, quality. And then you, you almost do yourself a, a, an injustice by not supporting it with the correct infrastructure. Yeah, correct. I think customers understand now that every, uh, I mean, if you look at very uh, high-end plants, every minute or well, few minutes that, that they are down cost them a lot of money. Yeah. So it's worth investing in a, uh, a good system or a fault-tolerant system to make sure that they don't have downtime or their hardware doesn't cost uh, any downtime uh, with regards to their plants. And, and that's an important point is I think clients need to understand what is the minutes those thresholds right so mm. depending on the strategies that you're going to put in place it's extremely important for you to 
determine if it is disaster recovery, mm. the whole server room burns down, you've got this offsite backup. You need to understand how often do you do the backups? How, when the accident in, or the incident occur, how fast can you actually recover from that incident? And what is the total kind of time that you are allowed or kind of gaining or allowed to lose data? That will obviously determine what is the type of disaster recovery strategy that you want to... And want are to those use. procedures in place? I, I, I would love to know they, how, they many, how many, um, uh, sort of percentage-wise, how many of those procedures even exist? Look, there's, there's a lot of math and there's a lot of academics on how you determine these things. Uh, a lot of acronyms. Again, there's the RTO or the recovery time objective. That's what you need to aim for. How fast can you get this thing back up and running? Yeah. Um, there's also the recovery point objective. So those two together gives you your total time of data loss. So Sounds like a podcast on its own. Podcast <laughs> on its own, just to determining how, how much nines do you need for your disaster recovery scenario. But yeah, it's important for each one of the the strategies that you want in place, disaster recovery, high availability and fault tolerance is to understand from your business need, what can you live for, with from a disaster? Obviously, as Alberta said, financial guys, sorry, there's not even a question. They need to go full FT. Yeah. They can't miss data. For us in the industrial space, we don't like losing data, mm -hmm. uh, but probably, probably not as prevalent. But Computing on the edge is, is changing the, the scene, I think, a little bit on that scenario. Cool. Let's talk about the edge. Cool. So I almost want to, I mean, we've been speaking about the edge a lot and, and, and there's a lot of topic and conversation around the edge because I think the value of edge to enterprise is, is, is becoming very apparent and very obvious. Well, especially with digital transformation and IoT and all industry of the buzzwords. Before, all of the buzzword talks about at the edge. And, and the ability to get edge data, contextualize, uh, adding value in terms of decision-making. I mean, that's, that's what it's all about in short. But Albertus, from your point of view, let's, let's maybe start off with a, a, a bit of a loaded question. What is edge computing? <laughs> Haven't we been doing that? I don't know. <laughs> We've been doing that. Well, I think, uh, I think a lot of people, uh, you think edge, edge means really standing on the edge of a, of a mountain or a cliff and then uh, not jumping, hopefully not jumping. <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, I think the big question is what is edge computing? And um, uh, to answer that, edge computing is, is really a distributed computing model in which uh, computing takes place near the physical location or where the data is being collected and analyzed. Um, you don't necessarily have a lot of computing space there, um, but you don't necessarily want to lose that data that's in there. And, you, and most probably you don't have a connection to the cloud or to a centralized server uh, for that period of time, but it, it's ideally to have this edge computing closer to where all your data is coming. Machines are getting so when you Sorry, when you, when you say where the data is collected, what are some of the examples that you've seen of where edge data is collected? Because we think in traditional terms, maybe edge data is the uh, pump station that's a couple of hundred meters away from where we are now. What, what are some of the examples of, of those kinds of locations? Well, that's that's also that's a perfect example as well as um, especially in in, a, in in the water wastewater scenario you you have these uh, stations all over the place and it is it is very important to have 
all the measurements. I mean, you have smart devices that, that is installed in that pump station, um, like smart transmitters, smart flow meters, flow, smart temperature meters, or motors, motors that needs to give you information about themselves, their, their current, their voltage, all those type of things. You need to analyze that data in order to make better decisions or, or improve your operation or, or prevent something from happening. Um, now, to try and, and get that data all the way back from that pump station to a server infrastructure to gather the information and then analyze it uh, is a problem sum because sometimes you really don't have a server room at the pump station. I mean, there's not a server room built with uh, a uh, controlled environment or air conditioned uh, room. Uh, so that makes it very uh, tricky to actually put a, a, a sort of server infrastructure close to the to the plant environment. Um, that's that's a that's one example. I mean, really, uh, you have mines, uh, specific, maybe specifically mines, are distributed over kilometers of property or or areas. Um, they have different areas in those uh, or that can actually do different things, uh, and you need to bring all that information again back to a centralized system, but it runs over fiber, it runs over kilometers of, of network cable. If, mm -hmm. if by chance a, um, uh, a forklift or something runs over a cable and breaks the cable, there goes your information. I mean, if you do not have something that gathers, still gathers that information at the edge, you lose the, the connection back to your centralized server for that period of time until you can fix that cable you, you're already completely running blind with regards to analyzing and, and computing that data. Um, I think in South Africa, we, we're not 100% there yet where we can actually just pull a, like a simple flow transmitter straight into the cloud. Uh, and a lot of customers still don't, don't even want to connect their control system to the internet uh, to create this whole connected enterprise of a system or the industry 4.0 sort of scenario where you uh, can actually view a transmitter from anywhere in the world. Um, but that's still a, a very, I think, a very sore point touch with regards to connection. And that's, again, why it's very important to have edge computing and really have something that's, that can gather that information. And then once the information is gathered and analyzed and calculations has been done at the edge, you can just, just send in the relevant information, maybe using a reporting package or something like that, in order to get whatever you want to a centralized server or to the cloud for that matter. Um, I like what you said that there might not be a physical server room at these remote locations. Sometimes it's not, it's not just you know that you, there isn't one. Sometimes there's physically just not space for one. <laughs> so um, you need also something that might be a little bit smaller that you can actually fit in an existing cabinet or something like that without having to now mount a full roam rack with mm -hmm. a server te technology um, obviously for your for your mains or your centralized system great we'll you'll use an ft server for that uh, but you guys have something quite quite unique that you offer for for this kind of edge scenarios yes and that's that's where there's the ztc or what we call it the zero touch computing comes in because um, it's very compact it's industrialized uh, there's absolutely no moving parts on this uh, server hardware. Uh, it actually runs on 24 volts, which is, is the same uh, voltage that you would um, power up your PLCs or any of your uh, automation devices. Um, I think the great thing about it as well, there's no uh, fans that can gather dust and cause the, the system to fail. It's got a class, uh, class two uh, rating. Um, 
you can actually uh, mount it on a DIN rail. It's got clips that you can mount on the back of the, the ZTCH where you can then just clip it onto a DIN rail right next to your PLC. So <laughs> actually from a guy that opens a cabinet, it looks like another piece of automation equipment, um, which just should be there. Uh, I mean, he doesn't even realize that it's actually a server uh, infrastructure, a powerful server for that matter, that's actually running right next to his PLC. Mm. So maybe that's, that's something is, People might think, geez, if it's something that you just clip in a cabinet and it looks mm -hmm. like another piece of equipment, how powerful can this little, little ZTC be? But the specs is quite amazing on, on what you can actually run on that thing. Yeah, I mean, if you look at now uh, from a traditional perspective where you have traditional single server machines, uh, we can actually replace four physical single server machines with one ZTC. Wow. And I'll add this, I presume... Obviously, no moving parts, um, running off of the, the same kind of voltage. Um, so obviously, less, less equipment or internal components that can go bust, no fans to suck in the dust, which is obviously a big problem. Um, but obviously, the terms of fault tolerance and high availability, you guys push that down to the edge as, as well. So it's not just one single little box. Correct. Um, I think with the entry of the ZTC, we sort of, a little bit deviated from what we stand for as a high availability company, uh, just supplying fault tolerant uh, systems. Because sometimes at the edge, you might not require a fault tolerant system. Okay, mm -hmm. so you might require just a high availability scenario where you can experience a restart uh, of your application. Sometimes even you don't require high availability for that matter. You maybe just require a single uh, server. I mean, if it's a like a historian buffer or maybe just an engineering station at the edge. Uh, if, if you experience, if it's down, it's not going to stop your plant. It's not going to be the end of the world. And I think that's where we now, we sort of moved a bit away from our fault tolerance systems. And, but we still cover the whole lot from a single node uh, ZTC, which only is equivalent, equivalent to a single uh, server. Uh, moving to a sort of a mid-class uh, high availability system where you have two nodes and if one node fails, you will have a restart uh, scenario of your applications on the second uh, node. And then we have our high-end level uh, ZTC, which uh, can actually give you both um, uh, configurations, high availability configuration, as well as a fault-tolerant configuration within one ZTC. It is just a matter of defining uh, your virtual environment that's running on the, the ZTC if the virtual machine uh, can uh, sort of experience a, a restart, then you can configure it in HA or, or HA mode. And if, if it needs to be on all the time, then you configure your virtual machine in a fault tolerant mode. Um, okay. So we really actually cover, cover the whole spill from single to fault tolerant. Now, where does the, the zero touch come in? <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking it's, it's obviously for um, very, um, or typically for very remote locations, un understaffed or, or, or not reached or serviced frequently or at a high cadence. So it's almost a, nearly a, a put down and forget kind of a scenario. Um, is, so the zero touch, I would imagine, then from a point of view of software or system health monitoring and maintenance, uh, is that potentially where the zero touch comes in? So it's, um, it's, I mean, if you look at the edge, um, you have engineers that's, that's residing at the edge. I mean, your IT guy sits in the office uh, looking at most probably the corporate. Be careful what you say about the IT guys. <laughs> <laughs> you have to be careful. So uh, 
but and, and the same with the engineers they are they are unique in what they do they they are good in plc programming and setting up the automation side of it they might not be necessarily uh clued up in setting up the it environment so again we have to keep it as simple as possible partly where the ztc or the zero touch computing comes in uh, we have a saying here at starters if you are five years and older and can read you can set up a ztc that's really how easy and straightforward it is if you ever installed a uh, printer driver on your computer uh, the same scenario applies to a ztc it actually comes uh, with a little pamphlet with six steps um, to be able to do it and and to give you an idea, the first step is to actually plug a keyboard and a mouse, uh, well, actually just a keyboard and a screen and power it on. That's step one. Uh, step two is follow whatever the screen tells you uh, you need to do. It actually tells you when to plug in the cables and what cables to plug in. Um, that's the six step uh, sort, of, sort of scenario that you go through. And that six steps literally takes you less than 30 minutes uh, to do, to actually set up a fault tolerant system. Now, if someone is very experienced in setting up high availability clusters, that high availability cluster that gives you not even a fault tolerant um, uh, option, it only gives you high availability, failover, um, can take you days to set up, um, where by 30 minutes sounds like a, a big bargain uh, if you can uh, set up something within 30 minutes. And then within that 30 minutes or after that 30 minutes, you're ready to go. You're ready to create your first uh, server operating system an application on it uh, or even import uh, one that you've already created somewhere else uh, you can import it onto the ZTC and then you're off and ready to go now that is let's say in the case that something did go did go wrong right so depending on the strategy that you deploy um, either machine starts up on the, the second the second piece of hardware from a high availability perspective or more the fault tolerant, you don't even know that it's switched. But now, technically, your piece of equipment is not high available or fault tolerant anymore because one of your hardware components that you've configured has got now a physical fault or a, a broken hard drive or whatever the case is. Some electronics in that PC went, went bust. How, how do I now know, first of all, that it happened? How do I now get a new one? Or what do I need to replace? Um, because, you know, it's very easy that you pretty much forget of this thing because it will run pretty much for the whole year without you even knowing that something went wrong. Yeah, no, that, that is a good question. It's, um, and I think that's something that makes the, the, the Stratus product unique is uh, part of the Stratus product that you are purchasing is the the support that goes with it. Um, we support that server 24 seven, if customers allows us, and, and I know a lot of customers still are very uh, wary of, of giving us access uh, to their system remotely, um, but it is very secure. Um, there's a requirement for certain firewall ports, read only ports that needs to be opened in order to actually send uh, the, the server send us a push alert. So we don't even, have access to the server 24 or well, all the time that we're actually pinging them. It sends our heartbeat every now and then just to make sure that the server is still there. Um, and then if something happens on the server, then alerts are being sent through to Stratus to say with, with an actual digital code. That code are being deciphered from our side. And each of the numbers in that code means something with regards to the hardware. So we know exactly if it's a, 
a hard drive giving us trouble or a network card. Um, to give you a simple example, we monitor the bad sectors on our hard drive. We have a threshold, and if the, the threshold are being reached with regards to the bad sectors, we are going to replace that hard drive. It doesn't mean that the hard drive has failed. It can still maybe run for another six, six months to a year. But part of being a high availability company and uh, achieving five, nines, five to seven nines of availability, and that's what we are all achieving with regards to the high availability percentage number, uh, is doing a predictive action. Uh, and, and managing the hardware before it gets to a point where it fails. So if something happens, the alerts are being sent to Stratus, we act, action it, uh, we are 24 seven. So we have uh, action centers right around the world that works according to, uh, to daylight. Um, as engineer will pick it up, look at it, he will contact the customer and tell him uh, maybe there's something simple that it can fix because the, both the FT server and the ZTC are autonomous. So. I would say 98% of the time, the, the server will actually try and fix it itself before it alerts starters. When it gets to a point where we need to get involved by changing out a part or maybe have to go and do a reset on the system of, of some kind, uh, then we will uh, liaison with a customer uh, and ask him to, for, that we can actually access the system remotely uh, with his knowledge to be able to see if we can try and fix it if not, if it's a part failure, then Stratus will dispatch automatically a new part to the customer uh, and he will receive it the next day. Now, you would think, well, the next day, maybe is it, is it too late? Because I mean, I have a node failure now. But keeping in mind that if it's a fault tolerant system, it still runs. The, the plant still runs on the existing node, on the, on the healthy side. You don't experience any downtime. Yes, you are at risk until we can fix the second note or the, the, the faulty part. But we, in South Africa, we pretty much send a part uh, the, the next day and you will receive it, the customer will receive it the next day. And it's a yeah. matter of unplugging cables, yeah. uh, removing the old part, plugging in the cables, and uh, there's a little actual uh, LED that's on the system, wait until it flashes, and then you turn around and walk away. That's Even if you, if, you, if you sit in two buffels with one squid, you have to for time. Puts all the water. <laughs> Oh, well, we, we, we try, we really try as much. I mean, it's challenging, uh, especially in Africa, it's especially getting it over the border. And that's yeah. why we're trying to uh, establish partnerships with customers, especially in Africa's uh, countries like Nigeria and Tanzania and Zimbabwe, all those places. So that we actually have a distributor locally to that, uh, to that country. So not to experience any delays using with customs and all that type of things. And you might only get your part a week later. Um, yeah. So, but uh, we try our best to, to to dispatch and make sure that you get or the customer gets the part within uh, South Africa the next day. Um, we yeah. have a local store here in Pretoria that uh, we keep all our uh, spare parts, uh, and it gets dispatched from here, and then our stores gets refilled with the the new product. So, doesn't matter now what strategy you go with. If you do deploy HA or FT, very important kind of thing to note is exactly that. Um, doesn't matter which vendor you go with, what is, the, what is the availability of spares? How quickly can spares get to you? What is the capability of monitoring when things do go wrong on your system? Now, that is, what, if you, what if you can't connect or get the data out to your services? 
um, let's say that it's just not possible that we can send these kind of codes back to, to Stratus. Um, how, would the, how would the client know what's happening? So unfortunately we do have scenarios. So I uh, suppose plan A is to really have that connection back to Stratus because it's very valuable. And we at Stratus will look after the hardware. So the customer doesn't have to worry about the hardware uh, from that point of view. But in a scenario where we do not have that direct connection to the ZTC or FC server, then we have to rely on other means like uh, SNMTP with mailing with regards to mailing where we set up mail uh, systems inside and all the alerts that would have been sent to Stratus are being then relayed via an email uh, to a local dedicated uh, or responsible person on site. Um, we can also within that mail set up an email that we still be able to get an alert via email, uh, not via a direct connection um, to the actual Stratus or, or uh, ZTC products, uh, which is very valuable. Um, I can maybe tell you a little bit of a story that happened with a customer whereby an FT server were running in a server room. Um, the story actually shows you the value of uh, having that 24 seven monitoring from Stratus. Now, we got a, received an alert from the FT server that the server is running at high temperature. And we contacted the customer and the customer sort of shoved it off and told us that it is in a controlled environment with two air cones or multiple air cones. There's no way that the temperature could be high in the server room. Uh, so we made a note of it. And then about 30 minutes or so later, the FT server sent us an, another alert. Uh, to say that the temperature is now even higher. Again, we contacted the customer uh, and unfortunately it was one of those, I don't want to really say it, but it was an arrogant customer that really doesn't want to listen to what we say. And again, he shoved it off and told us it's a controlled environment. Uh, it's not possible. Now, needless to say, uh, a few minutes later, the FT service sent us an alert that it's going to shut down because it's reached now the highest threshold of temperature. <laughs> now, we didn't even have a chance to phone the customer because when the shutdown was initiated, the customer contacted us and told us, oh, what's going on? The FT server is shutting down. All my applications are shutting down. So we said, well, we did contact you twice. Uh, please go and have a look because there is a temperature issue. The customer walked into the server room and he, could, he couldn't actually walk to the server room because the server room were nearly 80 degrees in temperature, all these acorns has failed. And, and now in that server room, it was quite a, a large server room with other uh, vendor uh, servers also running in that, inside that server room. Uh, needless to say, all these other server uh, infrastructure machines were fried. Uh, they couldn't handle the heat. Um, the FT server, they, after they actually got the acorns working and the temperature back to normal, uh, they pressed a the green button on the FT server. It started up. All the applications were perfectly with no issues, uh, but unfortunately, the other machines uh, sort of experienced a death. Um, needless to say, the customer replaced all the other infrastructure machines also with FT server infrastructure. So it just shows you that we do not just protect the FT server, but we actually protect the environment. We monitor the environment around uh, the FT server or the ZTC for that matter. So that is why it's very, very valuable and to have it as a first price for Stratus to be able to monitor and have a direct connection 24 seven to the uh, to the actual product. Oh. 
Um, I also know a little bit of, obviously you've demoed that to me, it's, it's quite impressive. I know that the ZTC also has a little OPC UA server on board. So you can actually build on the screen that the operator is looking at or at the, you know, the SCADA level kind of environment. You can also build him a little, not very nice kind of diagnostic screen of what's actually happening and perspiring on that device. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, that uh, OPC UA connect, uh, server connection uh, is uh, in the ZTC, and we also have one available for the FT server, uh, which allows you to, I think there's pretty much on the ZTC over 50 uh, parameters uh, or variables uh, that you can actually measure from the ZTC into a uh, um, HMI environment. And, and if it's an HMI environment and it's in a tag format, you can even bring it into your alarm and event server. Uh, yes. make it part of that. So it can bring up a, 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 an alarm or a, a sound of audible alarm uh, to be able to uh, uh, alert someone that something is not 100% not correct. About this way, um, from a South African point of view, from an Africa, for that matter, point of view, you, you guys are quite, quite involved in Africa. <clears throat> it feels like we, I mean, the, the question that we opened up with, what is edge computing? It, it, to, at least to us, it feels like we have to do a lot less of that today than what we had to do a couple of years ago to explain edge and edge computing. I think from your point of view, what you've just explained, I mean, just such beautiful examples of economic value um, from edge outside of the OT and IT convergence story that we're telling. There's real tangible examples and features of, of some of the value Perhaps for you, uh, there's also a pre-COVID and a post-COVID view on, on what you've seen around some of the education and adoption, where in the past, we, we, we had to explain edge and edge computing and convergence and why, where today, perhaps it feels like we're almost standardizing for edge um, post-COVID-19. Is that very similar? Do, do you feel... You've also experienced a little bit of that around education and adoption. No, no, absolutely. I think with the fact that a lot of people cannot be on site or close to their business um, and they have to have remote access or remote capabilities, uh, having that computing power at the edge is now getting more and more important. Um, I think if, uh, if you look at our website and the amount of hits that we received with regards to uh, what is edge computing and why is edge computing important, uh, it is skyrocketed over the, uh, the last year uh, at the start of COVID. Um, I think even uh, the sort of uh, importance of having a, a ZTC, for instance, uh, or an edge computing device close to your plant uh, is getting more and more important. And we had so much more um, involvement and so much more uh, inquiries about uh, our product, ZTC, especially the ZTC, maybe not so much the FT server because it's, a, again, a server infrastructure machine. But especially as ATC, uh, it is. I think we sold more ZTCs in last year um, than any any of the two previous years since, or three years years since the ZTC uh, yeah. sort of uh, started off. Um, so I think it really it's a it really important and a, and customers uh, maybe not in, indirectly or directly looking at Stratus uh, per se, but. Uh, I think if, if you go and ask Google and how much uh, people sort of search for edge computing, uh, you would see the numbers uh, quite well of how many people are really looking at edge computing. And unfortunately with, with COVID, that's uh, unfortunately, but fortunately, that's one of the 
uh, one of the silver linings that we've seen um, as a result of, of what we experienced with COVID. And I think probably a couple of years ago, if you told somebody that they could run their business from the cloud, they would have laughed at you. Um, and I'm not talking about uh, 20 years ago, some people you speak to. Um, if, if you said, yeah, we're running our business from the cloud, they would have thought it was a joke. But now today, um, or at least two years ago, call it a year and a half ago, it was probably very similar for edge computing. Um, the, the, the same perceptions were there, the same perceived risks were there. And yeah, post-COVID-19, it's probably been dispelled as well. I think industrial, uh, industrial especially in the industrial automation space, um, maybe in the future, I don't know if it's really uh, a point where it will actually run the whole plant or a whole industrial automation application in a cloud environment. I think my personal opinion, I don't think it will ever happen. Uh, it is maybe still too risky. I mean, there's a lot of uh, uh, variables with regards to networking and uh, <clears throat> the connection between your cloud and your plant. <laughs> Uh, you don't want to. You want to start a motor, and then it goes via the cloud, and the motor only starts ten minutes later. Um, so, uh, edge computing will not go away, and edge computing will actually just get more and more important. Um, maybe uh, to get to actually a, comp uh, a, a sort of a company and uh, uh, give the cloud sort of service scenarios, cloud systems, a boost or a, or help in that sense, if I can say it in that way. Yeah, definitely. Lenny, anything? Maybe last, last, um, last question. Obviously, our batters, you guys do serve a lot of industries. Um, how how do you feel is the uptake for the cloud or the, the edge computing with the ZTC running SCADA solutions, historian solutions? Um, is that is that is something that you? I mean, we're talking about uptake in the sales just in general of the ZTC. Uh, but is it something that you guys see, particularly in the automation space, that's getting a lot of traction as well? Yeah, especially in the HMI environment. I think okay. uh, they, they, or customers like the ZTC to be able to control their plant, first yeah. of all. I mean, for them, it's important. I mean, you can, you can still get away of not having a historian and not archiving your, your data coming from the plant, but you need to control your plant. Um, and if you can have a, uh, a solution or a very basic Z the ZTC or zero touch computing solution with, with less maintenance and less interaction, uh, but still be able to control your plant uh, from a fault tolerant or high availability scenario. That is very important. So, and that is the ZTC is capable, uh, more than capable of handling a, an application like that uh, with regards to HMI. And then, uh, I mean, we have ZTCs running HMIs plus historians, plus thin clients scenarios, remote desktop server machines, uh, and batch applications even. So yeah. uh, people mustn't underestimate the, the power of a, a edge computing system like the ZTC. Yeah, uh, because I think it's still very powerful. Yeah. Yes, because I think sometimes people think edge computing and, and connectivity at the edge and they think, oh, it's a small little, I don't know, little modem or a little Raspberry Pi unit or something just to connect and get data. But it, it needs a little bit more than that if you really want to have something that can control and operate, especially in our industry, right? If you need something that's going to control a complete batching system, yeah. um, almost unattended while there's something going wrong, safely shutting down applications, et cetera. Yeah. Um, you need a little bit more oomph from your hardware, definitely. But, but it's probably, <laughs> but edge computing is probably more suited to applications um, 
I'm just thinking high, uh, high autonomy, um, high bandwidth, low latency. Yes. Uh, but certainly, I think a lot of people are looking forward to an environment beyond the closed loop where you can do the, I don't know, the, uh, the virtualization and, and all of those sort of elements um, oh, no. seamlessly, easily yes. with, with Edge. Yeah, geez, exciting times. I think you, um, you also save a lot of money with regards to licensing cost uh, because it's, it's, we are doing the, the hardware at or the redundancy at hardware level. So from a software perspective, uh, the software sees the machine as one machine. Yeah. Um, so with regards to licensing, uh, you just need one license. You don't need duplicate license to have duplicate systems running because we take care of the hardware. Um, one unique feature of the ZTC, for instance, is that you do not have to, even if you have a fault-tolerant two-node system, uh, you do not have to put them in the same place. They, they're not, unlike the FT server where it's a backplane where you slot in both holes of the FT server, the ZTC are interconnected by a, a 10 gig uplink uh, or, or what we call A-link cables uh, mm -hmm. with the synchronization, which means that you can actually Z, uh, allocate the ZTC in a different building. You can connect the two ZTCs via fiber optic, which means you can run it kilometers apart from each other and still have a, a disaster uh, sort of site, but having the ZTC running somewhere else, but in a fault tolerant mode. So very unique features and a, a lot of cost saving, uh, but still a very powerful edge computing device. Yeah. And I love the fact that it feels like we're getting closer to standardizing the edge. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's about time. Awesome chatting to you, Albertus. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Any, any closing thoughts? Top three things for uh, our listeners to think about or remember or do. This is uh, your, your chance to, to get a call to action. Well, no, think about edge computing. Why is it, uh, why, what is edge computing, first of all? And uh, if you're not sure, give me a call. I'll, I'll tell you again, what is it? Or listen to this podcast. Um, and really go and think uh, why edge computing is important for, for you as a customer. Um, you want to protect your system, you want to protect your hardware, you want to protect your software and your applications running on it. Um, and if you if you tick all those boxes and you need a high availability, uh, give me a call. I Absolutely. Can <laughs> Definitely. And especially once you realize the benefits of, of getting that contextualized mm -hmm. edge OT data into your enterprise, it's, it's where the value is. It's, right. it's, it's where you get the, the wisdom from. 100%. Absolutely. Cool. Ready? Cool, thanks. Yeah, that was Albertus with uh, Stratus Technologies. Uh, it's, it's okay if we share your contact details, Albertus. Hey? We'll, we'll pop into the description. Cool. Yeah, awesome. Perfect. Thanks a lot, Albertus. Um, we are lining up for the next episodes. We are lining something a little bit again into the, the trend series. Um, we're going to talk to some people in the APC environment. Which yes. Is very exciting. Advanced process control. Advanced process another control. Another three-letter acronym. Another three-letter acronym. If we haven't had enough of that for today, we're going to have another one. Uh, so that's going to be lining up for for the next episode. And we are also overdue or past due with our vertical industry-specific focus. Yes. I know we 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 definitely have to share a couple of podcasts there. I think we promised something in brewing. We promised something in water and wastewater. It's all coming. We just need to find a little bit more, a couple more hours in the day. Uh, but it's 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 such a humbling experience to be able to bring you stories and insights and, and uh, just new solutions and technology 
we're going to find time and we we look forward to bringing you the those future podcasts but thank you for listening and if you have any other topics and industries that you want us to tackle as always please feel free to share the ideas to podcast at element8.co.za cool thanks for listening thank be you safe really. and look after each other cheers